0: We're going to see a dead body. It's going to require a full day hike and staying overnight. What is the most important thing we should bring? Is it A, food? B, a loaded forty five? C, cigarettes? Or D, a comb? <laughs> it's
1: a comb, right? It's got to be a comb. Well,
0: right? in, in the movie that we're about to see, they packed three of the four. And food wasn't one of them.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't occur to them. Anybody know what we're watching?
2: Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends
0: who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These
1: cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and
0: cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm
2: your huckleberry.
0: Sometimes serious. I want to make them
1: an awfully game.
0: <laughs> Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's
1: looking at you. We're watching Stand By Me. We're going back to 1986, everybody. It's the summer of 1959 within the movie in Castle Rock, Oregon, and four 12 year old boys, Gordy, Chris, Teddy, and Vern, are quick friends after learning of the general location of the body of a local boy who has been missing for several days they set off into the woods to see it along the way they learn about themselves the meaning of friendship and the need to stand up for what is right this is uh gary's contribution to imdb this week i thought gary put it uh quite uh simply put and uh very uh on point here But uh, I think all of us love this movie, and we've all seen this movie many times since we were kids, I believe, right? Everyone saw this when they were a kid at some point? Jesse, yes?
2: Yeah, I think so. When I watched it, and I was kind of preparing for this pod, I was trying to figure out when I saw this movie. And originally, I thought it was high school, but I think it may have been middle school. Okay. Jeff, what Uh, about you? Yeah, I like Jesse, I don't really remember.
0: Um, It was on TV. I know I saw it on TV. Like, I didn't seek it out in the video store, or I didn't have my parents say, you gotta watch this movie. Um, I just caught it, and I think I caught, like, the second half of it, mm-hmm. and lo- kind of deal, and like, really liked it, and then I went back and watched the rest another time. Um, I've seen this movie a bunch of... T- Most of my experiences seeing this movie um, are, like, catching it on television.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this movie came out you know before our time and we were toddlers running around when this movie came out and it's just pre-kindergarten for us so but i remember this being the movie that taught me how to cuss as a kid so i feel like this movie's always always been around in and in my life and i know it's another one of those movies that i've mentioned before like that i got from the the older neighbor kids who had these just movies recorded on vhs tapes they had this on one of them you know Right, to commando and aliens and Terminator, but uh, so when I got my eyes and ears on it, I was just hooked because it's these four kids and they're going on an adventure and they're just cussing the whole movie, and I was just like, yes, this is awesome, smoking, yes, 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 yes. You know what? It, you know
0: it is a funny story. Uh, keep finish yours, I'll tell no, you. No,
1: no, but I mean, so I, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess I just, I don't remember the first exact time I seen, it, I that I saw this movie, but I've probably seen it. Easily over thirty times uh, over the years, and I, you know, I introduced it to my stepkids at too young of an age as well for them, and I did that intentionally because I remember it being so great when I was too young to see it for me, and they've always loved this movie too, and Kevin tonight, uh, he saw that Stand by Me was in uh, on the TV, and he goes, oh, this movie's so good, and I was like, oh, podcasting, and I goes what a great movie to podcast on. And I was just like, "Yes, you're right. This is exciting. I agree. <laughs> That's That's, awesome. I completely agree. Yes." It has but a little
0: timelessness to it. Oh yeah, for I feel, sure. I feel that I feel like it's going to be one of those movies that, like, you can watch. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's, our it's our the story kid, our kids, our kids, of these kids that probably
0: watch. Yeah, because it still hold up pretty
1: well. Well, we and, watched it, and it's these kids in the late '50s, and it, obviously we have no relation to the to the '50s and the '60s, and uh, but our parents obviously did. But uh, the yeah, the movie's just great. I mean, we loved it, and my kids loved it. So you're absolutely right with the whole timeless element. And uh, I, I
0: have a funny story about like just like also this movie, my awareness of this movie. Um. When I saw it, I didn't think I, I didn't realize it was Stephen King, like when I'd first seen it or whatever in middle, it was, uh, I believe middle school, I read the book that has the three novellas, um, Shawshank being one of them as well. Um, but I didn't know that the body was standby, but I remember like halfway through it, I'm like, this sounds like really a lot like stand by me. And I had to go look it up, but it was, I got like partway through it. I was like, this is a lot like that movie stand by me. And I didn't even realize. Because it's so un... There are some very Stephen King elements to it. But it to teenage, young teenage Jeffrey, it didn't feel very Stephen King.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a very non-supernatural Stephen King story, obviously. And he's very famous for his stories having that scary or supernatural element. And this doesn't have that. And, and this is more of just his childhood, basically. Yeah. And... He he loves this movie. He this is his so favorite was, adaptation at the time when it had come out and he was and shaken.
0: Rob Reiner says that he had to excuse himself from the film like after the viewing because he was so impressed with it and yeah. he was so used to until that time he hated every movie that had been made. And and I stuff.
1: think that I think he was just even more adamant about it because this came out not too long after The Shining. Yep. And and he and, and we know we've talked about that, all of us, and how much he hated <laughs> Kubrick's version of the Shining. Yeah. So I part of me's always wondered if if his words are just even more of a dig at Kubrick. <laughs> Probably. Like, he wasn't although he wasn't,
0: he, Harry, he wasn't a big fan of he wasn't a big fan of Kerry either. Yeah, no, which I is, no, I which know, is another but... great adaptation. It's very odd.
1: for sure. Uh, and he's had a bunch after Stand by Me, so I'd be curious to know if it's still his favorite over the years. But, but yeah, for sure. At the time, he was super proud of it, and, and I believe and,
0: he and... likes Shawshank quite a bit too. Actually, I mean, and, to the, Green, not and right. the Green Mile, the yeah. serious ones, he seems to. The more serious, dramatic ones, he seems to be okay with the, the, uh, interpretation. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Um, so what worked Jeff?
0: Yeah. I mean, besides everything, I mean, this is just, this is a, this is a near perfect film. Um, I put down the nostalgia, the performances and the theme. I'm a real big fan of uh, the, the coming of age, the theme coming, I love coming of age stories, but this is, this one does it a little bit different. It's all about um, them coming to terms with their own mortality. And they point to that a number of times in the film from the first time um, that they kind of have a gun, uh, they're going to see a dead body, the whole sideline story about his brother having died. And it's most so many coming of age films have things with um, like the discovery of girls and the this and the it's, it's kind of cool that just literally just centers around a group of boys and kind of in that period right before puberty.
1: It does. Um, I mean, it's, which it, is cool. It, it, you're completely right, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is Gordy's story, and that's just a testament to how awesome these four boys were at their job and how awesome Rob Reiner was because he gives each one of these boys these layers and these characters, and you're Did able. Did you see to that they had your... almost
0: It was almost like camp for them that they spent three months together getting to know each other and like playing with each other he taught them
1: like theater games basically it was uh basically like improv theater and you know basically had them just form these relationships and it and you and it really pays off for them throughout this movie because what makes so much of this movie special is you see all four of them on the screen together so much and that's a very very rare thing because it's so hard for all four actors to nail their parts simultaneously, and they were able to do it because of that groundwork that they put in. He and also took a
0: long time casting this film. They they, they saw like every young childhood yeah. actor who like was anybody at that time. They yeah, they it, interviewed or tried out. They auditioned, interviewed. They auditioned over three hundred um kids for those roles. Yeah, and, and, one, and, of mean, things, and one of the things. One of the things they. All well, the time, on is that like these kids kind of were their roles. Yeah. Uh, they they really fit the role that they were. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that that's cool that he kind of nailed that in the audition. Go ahead, you were gonna say something, Mark.
1: Well, no, I was just gonna note on you know for the kids, Jerry O'Connell is you know obviously this was his first movie that he'd ever done, so they just you know they found gold with Jerry and who's Vern, by the way, in case those that don't know that I know you guys know that, but. Uh, and then Corey Feldman, he's on record of saying the that Teddy's character is as true to form as Corey Feldman's actual character in real life, so, uh, it, it, he, he loves this character, he loves this part, he's always been a huge, huge fan of, of this movie and his work that they did in it, and, and um... Will Wheaton's obviously really proud of it in these three of you know, they've they've stayed they went on to be adult actors and Jesse what worked? We haven't talked about it yet.
2: You well you guys both kind of alluded to it. It's it's the four boys Each of them every one of them Um, Each character was different and I just loved what each of them brought to the story. They had completely different personalities but they all brought something different to the story and it was just, it was really fun to watch. And so that, that ultimately is what worked for me, but also the music in the film. And it was music that was from the fifties, but it's all music that we like have heard a million times we could sing to. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the music and then I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I love a good voiceover. And I thought Richard Dreyfus did a great job of, of the voiceover yeah. in this film.
1: And, I mean, they, and they got lucky there just because it's a fantastic and, voiceover. Him and Reiner are, have always been great friends. And they didn't originally have Richard Dreyfus in mind. And Reiner, the person that they did have, they just, it it wasn't going to work. And so at the last minute, basically, Reiner was reached out to Richard Dreyfus and was like, you know, I. I need you to do this, and I think it's going to work for you, and I think you're going to be perfect for it. And, and he is, he's great. I, I did it, you see
0: what Dreyfus did? You see what Dreyfus said in the uh, thirty year? They did a like a thirty year anniversary in Variety
1: magazine oral history. What do you and say in you... that? No, because I, I mean I watched a documentary, well, but so I didn't. It's see It's not uh print.
0: <laughs> Not what you'd expect. He, he he didn't even remember he was in the movie. He remembered his. He remembered he did the voiceover. Really and then he's That's like i've crazy. been in i've been in a lot of movies if you would have told me that i did the voice if you would have asked me did you do the voice or i've said yeah I, I remember doing that so that would have I been... actually forgot he's like i actually forgot i was ever in that movie Holy and he said, that movie and it, it it the when you read the interview it sounds like he's not even proud of it like he's like so that know. was the, for the 30 so year weird.
1: anniversary right yeah So, okay, so that, okay, so that would, that would have been, so this came out in 86, so that would have been 2016, right? Wow. That would have been 2016. Um, the DVD documentary, which would have been probably late 90s, early 2000s, uh, you know, he's totally in it and engaged and... That's funny. Yeah, so that I read is funny. that, and I'm just So like, then here we are, 15 <laughs> years later. I mean, it makes sense. People get old, man, and they yeah, right. just of they course. forget shit. <laughs> of course.
2: Richard D- Dreyfuss has done a lot of freaking movies.
1: He has. And that's has? what he
0: says. What in the interview? But, He's like, you know, I've done a lot of movies.
1: I, I can't. You, yeah. you think, I, you think I'd like, remember
0: them all? <laughs> is what he said. Is what he said. Actually.
1: I do think you would remember Stand By Me. Though. I like, thought so too. I feel like I you remember like, Stand By Me. What about Bob? Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jaws. I love What about Bob. To be
0: fair, he did, he did remember doing the voiceover, and I guess if you think, I'm sure they did his shooting in this film in like half a day's work.
1: Yeah, he only needed to shoot for two days, typing so in the computer one day and saying to his, I, you know, kids. I could
0: see forgetting that, I guess, you know, because he didn't forget he did the voiceover. So maybe he just, but I just, I was shocked by that. I was like, I feel like that'd be one that you'd, uh, also feel like if you're going, if you're going to an interview for a 30 year anniversary, you'd just... Jog your memory. Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, yeah maybe I, a little I, bit. Yeah, you think your publicist or somebody or your would assistant would give you a uh, right? Maybe at least a recap. Yeah. Uh,
0: just just saying.
1: I'm with you. Uh, so, what worked that we haven't talked about? Um, I guess I just want to hone in on this: the whole Chris Chambers being there for Gordy when his dad can't be there for Gordy. It's so obvious that Gordy just needed somebody in his life to be there for him. And this is Gordy's story, and these are Gordy's friends. And it's clear that Chris is his best friend to some degree if he were to have one. Um, But you can tell that Gordy's kind of an outsider, like, from what we know. And it just seems uh, that there's just a clear... Gordy and Chris have a tighter relationship than, maybe, say, Gordy and Vern, or say, Gordy and Teddy, for example. Right. Oh, absolutely. Just, and they just, yeah. And uh, I just love how Chris is there. And the, uh, I guess I'm going to, since we segue into favorite scenes from here, I'm going to segue into there because we spent enough time on what worked. But one of my favorite scenes is that scene where, you know, Chris tells Gordy he wish he was his dad. And it, it, it's just a really powerful moment because he's like, you know, you're taking these stupid shop classes, but your dad doesn't. You realize that you're a gifted writer, and this is what you need to be. This is going to be your chosen path in life, type thing. And right. you, you know, I'm going to be the one that has to kick you in the ass, I guess, to let you know that this is what you're going to do. He's being the he's being the Ben Affleck from Good Will Hunting, right? You know, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so like, and and he's a twelve year old doing it, so. It's such an amazing moment. Jen, Jen, my wife, Yeah, she's the one that, you know, she, she loved that scene too. And it's just a really good moment. And it's super powerful early on in the film. There's plenty of moments I love this movie. Like Jeff said, it's a perfect movie. So, I, you know, every scene, it's a quick 85-minute movie. So it's just, you know, it flows. It's super quick, super quick. But um, that's one of my favorite scenes. And I just thought that would be a good jumping off point. Jesse, what's one of your favorite scenes?
2: So I think my favorite scene is the campfire scene. <laughs> it's so good. Sleepover in the woods. Um, j- just some random conversations they have. They're trying to figure out if Goofy's a dog or. And I and I what, what is what the hell is Goofy? And I, and I think
1: that's where I've always. Been on board with that because I've always been that guy that loves Pluto and doesn't like Goofy, and I think it's because of Stamp- <laughs> and, I, and when I was rewatching this, I was I was laughing. I I said this is where this came from, I guess. Yeah. Because I like I said I, this movie's been around my whole life.
2: And then Vern, just the quote of him talking about if I only had if I could, I would eat cherry Pez for the rest of my life. It, it's just I I love. <laughs> I love just the randomness of the conversation and <laughs> it's just it's such child innocence it's, it's before stuff, going to see a dead body.
0: It's the stuff that you would talk about too with your friends when you were twelve. Yeah. Like that's exactly. absolutely how those conversations would go. Um I would Mighty Mouse beat up Superman.
1: Right. Like
2: It's just uh, great dialogue and four young friends before they before the really transition, too.
1: I hate that. It's so obvious that it's Superman.
0: <laughs> oh, that's <fun. laughs> fine.
1: But like, would, I love it. Mark,
0: down. it would be a good. It'd be a good fight, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I like. I love it <laughs> and I hate it. Like.
0: <laughs> but it's such a Vern thing to say. I mean it, that's why I mean, it's of so of course perfect. it is. I know. Yeah. Like,
1: exactly. Everything about every Vern is so perfect. It's, they've got
0: their characters like nailed down. So. Oh, bad.
1: to a T. That's what makes it so special. That's why it's a, it's why it's the special coming of age movie between between Vern's moment on the train tracks and Teddy's moment at the junkyard with uh with yep. with a guy the called Hulk. Maloney. And, yeah, yeah. and those two scenes Another are such scene. uh, epic scenes for their characters. They're oh, just yeah. so perfect. They're so great. I just, when that comb drops and <laughs> you, you, Vern's heart just breaks when he loses the comb. <laughs> so I
0: had to bring it up. Well, I loved it. I love that when they, I mean, that's one of my favorite quotes when he said, he he's like, you don't, have any, you don't even have any hair, but I brought it for you guys. And that's Vern. He's a nice so guy. Vern, oh no, Vern, Vern was there. He's, you know, he's going ready for this big trip and he's thinking, you know, I bet you my buddies need a comb. Yeah.
2: <laughs> for yep.
0: whatever reason, he thought yep. that was like important. I think it's so awesome. Like yep. what a like thoughtful little guy. Um... My Brandon favorite, seven my, cents, <laughs> my, seven cents and a comb, seven cents and a comb. My, uh, favorite, uh, my favorite scene, my second favorite scene was the one that you said, Mark, but my favorite scene is when Chris tells Gordy about stealing the milk money. Oh, it's so brutal, right? Um, it's fantastic. And it, it makes me sad every time I see it
1: because you're like, wow, River Phoenix was so good right For here. What would you have been? We,
0: For the loss that we have of, yeah, River Phoenix. See, I see that, and I'm just
1: like, no wonder Joaquin Phoenix is so damn good. Look what his brother was doing when he was 12.
0: Incredible performance. Yeah, no, and it's just like, it reminds me, like, I feel that way sometimes when I'm seeing, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, early stuff. And, like, I'm trying to think if it was in Gilbert Grape or This Boy's Life. He has, like, a monologue that's, like, pretty, like, and, like, you're like, okay, this guy's going to be somebody. But then again, there's some actors. I mean, like Haley Joe Osment in The Sixth Sense, and nothing really happens with him. Um, so, but but I do think River Phoenix was going to be somebody. Um, and that scene, I think he's about as good in that scene as he is in any of his um, few, sadly, few films we got him to have him in. Oh yeah, um, no, it's a
1: great no. scene. I mean, Rob everything. Reiner,
0: in shooting that scene, Rob Reiner said that. Um, the first time he did it, it was like very dry and like not what he was looking for. So he coached him up a little bit and he brought River over and he said, he wants him to think about a time that he was let down by an adult in his life and felt this. He's like, you don't have to tell me what it is and you don't have to tell anybody. I just want you to think about that when you're reading these lines. And Totally nails it. It's that. It's after he tells them that that that's the tape that they use.
1: That when I mean, we segue from the campfire scene to that scene, I believe, and then we get some, and then we get some comedic relief because we get the middle of the night. We get the watch right, and we yep. get Vern, and Vern with that gun is so great, and we need that laugh to recover from every from, time from, a cricket. From, every from, time from, a cricket. We need we need that laugh ass. to recover from Chris just just kicking our ass there for a second. Yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's good. It's so uh, it's just so perfect. It's and, and I you know I think we all have we all relate to this movie because we all relate to multiple characters. We all have friends that remind us of characters, and you know it, it's it's easy movie. It's an easy movie to relate to. We all we all grow up, <laughs> and, and it's it's just a special watch. And I. What other scenes that we're, that we're missing? We got to talk about the cobras. We haven't even brought up the cobras. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland's great in this movie, right? Sutherland's fantastic. Yeah. So good. He's such a perfect love, bully. He's such I just, a perfect the
0: bully. The cobras in general are perfect bullies.
1: It works. He played. He he's a perfect bully. If you see this movie as a kid, uh, as an adult, as an adult, just like this, the
2: Lost Boys.
1: Yeah, exactly, for sure. And, and like when they're playing mailbox baseball. Like, you saw this movie, and you see that scene, and you're just like, holy shit, these guys are badasses. And then you see one of them carving tattoos into the other one's arm, and you're just like, oh my god, these guys, you're just not messing with these guys, because when I first saw this, I was eight, ten years old. So, it it just made such an impact. These bullies were real bullies. And that just, you get that payoff in the end, with Gordy and the gun, and the body, and everything is just so perfect. Yeah, that's some
0: pondering i've had some it, it, ponderings about eighty villi- 80s villains and them not really being villains it, this one does not fit that narrative <laughs> no <laughs> i agree these guys are absolute villains
2: oh for you sure can't, uh, you Abs- can't spend
0: you can't make a tv a netflix show 30 years later on this group of cobras and uh spin it the other way <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
1: totally agree and Kiefer Sutherland, he he he's fond of playing this role he loved it he he had so much fun, and supposedly he's just a really nice guy. He's
2: just a and, really good
1: bully. And, and, yeah, he's exactly. Bullying, whether was,
0: he's bullying terrorists or he's bullying li- little kids in the 50s.
1: For sure, for sure. But that's, a, I mean, I guess that segues into that, that scene where they're confronted by the bullies and we get that climax at the end where they've now found the body. I love that they get to find the body first. I love that they get the moment with the body before the bullies show up. I love all of that. It works so perfect. I love that they don't show up simultaneously. It, it's just you get that. Yep. It's you get that intimate moment with the kids and the body, and it's super necessary. Well, it's, a, it makes... it's an
0: important. It's an important moment for Gordy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just, uh, any other scenes anyone wants to talk about?
0: Um, what do you? How do you guys feel about uh, the
2: train scene? What about it? Uh, it's iconic. I, I love that scene. iconic. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I for some reason, like knowing the result. Even this last rewatch, that is a suspenseful damn scene. It's great. It's like, an
2: iconic scene. It it will always live on. Absolutely. And speak about this movie. Anyways, where are we at? Quotes?
1: Sure.
0: I have. Uh, I have a quote I love in this movie. I mean, there's, there's a million. Absolutely, all time. That's an all timer for me. What's your all timer It happens. It happens sometimes. Friends come in and out of your life like busboys in a restaurant you do have just different friends that like just like this you spend literally you'll spend like every day for a summer with them or every day for like there's like you have like a two or three year period where it's somebody that you you literally saw every single day and then you like never see again or maybe you see them once a year twice a year maybe and it's so like i don't know i feel like that that quote nails
1: uh, I always love Teddy's defense for wearing glasses, because I, you know, I wear glasses, and the line, Chris calls him a four-eyed piece of shit, a four-eyed pile of shit, and Teddy's response is, a pile of shit has a thousand eyes. I always love that line, just because he just had a quick retort for, you know, being made fun of for wearing glasses. That's awesome. So I've I've got
2: two. The first... Actually, both of them are are Teddy quotes. Teddy's very popular. Teddy's got a great line section. He does. He does. Act your age, Teddy. This is my age. I'm in the prime of my youth. And I'll only be young once. I love that line from Teddy. And then the second Teddy quote is... Gordy just screwed the pooch. I remember my dad using that... That, screwed um, the pooch. Screwed the pooch. Yeah, I, I remember my dad using that yeah. when I was younger, yeah. and uh, so it just kind of brought me back there for a
1: minute. Go, I mean, Gordy has Gordy has a line. I mean, or, I mean, Chris has a line within that scene that I said is one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes. You're gonna be a great writer someday, Gordy. You might even write about us guys if you even get hard if you ever get hard up for material. And it's just a good moment. Obviously, it foreshadows obviously the whole story, but. It's, we know what's happening at that point, but I don't think we do when we, we only know it on the rewatch. Right. So did you guys right. catch that in the beginning with the newspaper this time? I don't know if I, I don't know how often I caught that because I just, this movie was just always in my...
0: Well, I, it actually, so interesting. I, like I said, when I saw this movie the first time I saw like the second half of it or I don't know exactly where I came in, but I didn't come in in the beginning so I distinctly remember the first time I saw the beginning of this movie because I'm like, oh, he's reading a newspaper thing like And to your point, Mark, i probably never catch that the first time watching if I didn't if I watched this movie in the correct in the correct order. So that's interesting. I've got another one. It um, feels like it kind of speaks to the heart of this movie. Uh, I'm never gonna get out of this town, am I Gordy? You can do anything you want man
1: anything you want man i thought that was cool oh i mean the whole movie's cool it, like that not... most of the lines are kids cussing and i just don't want to just just you know brainwash the podcast with a bunch of 12 year olds being 12 year olds but they, they really are it's just they're special they're, they're just watching these kids interact with each other it's just you don't see it oh, in sure. too many movies. So.
0: It's fantastic dialogue. This film has fantastic yeah, and dialogue. As kudos
1: to Stephen King. So he did a great <laughs> job writing these kids and
2: giving them these parts. And What didn't work, Jesse? So we, we kind of alluded to this before nitpicky. Um, I don't know that this didn't work, but it just really pissed me off. Mr. Lachance. I fucking hated that prick.
1: Oh, Gordy's dad. Oh, it's terrible. He's oh wizard. yeah, yeah.
2: Just a wretched, wretched human being. Um, and just like what he did to Gordy after his brother died,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I just. It it's not that it didn't work. I just hated that that character.
0: It makes you. It does. It does put you in. It makes you feel for Gordy, and you see how much he needs Chris. So I guess it... But I couldn't find... I I actually didn't have anything written down for what didn't work. I couldn't come up with anything. I was hoping you guys had something. It's a near-perfect movie. Um, What do you got, Mark?
1: Uh, And the only other thing that annoyed me was... I think only two of the four of them have some sort of water container for their two-day journey. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that all four of them do. I clearly see... They fill up
0: at the well. They fill up
1: at the well. They do fill up at the well, but you know, I like, I, I like. I was thinking of the 127 hours. I was there. thinking of James Franco in 127 hours, cutting off his arm and like rationing his one little bit of water that he had for. It so, probably wasn't
0: it. It probably wasn't enough. It they probably, definitely needed more were.
1: water, and uh, but once again, this is not a problem for the movie. They had, <laughs> had all the soda. <laughs>
0: they had all that soda too. This is just uh, me that left. might have just dehydrated them. This too, is so. was,
1: yeah. This is kids being kids. Kids are resilient though. They're not adults, so they don't need to think of this shit. They're going to be fine. So, um, career corner.
0: Real quick, I want to talk about the. I was going to say something about the four boys. The one kind of cool. I don't know if it's cool. The one, I'll say interesting, the one interesting result of this film and like the careers that happened is they, it's kind of like the four different things that happened to childhood actors because O'Connell goes on and actually has, he has a decent Hollywood career. I mean, he's not like Oscar winning or anything like that, but he's, he's starred in a TV show. He's had some roles. He's, he, he ends up having a pretty good Hollywood career. Um, River Phoenix, Dies tragically young, um, burns out some of the, I mean, the things you're probably exposed to as being young, rich, and famous. Um, See that, unfortunately, more often than we'd like, probably. Uh, Corey Feldman has some of this, has like a lifetime of, and it's well-documented, and I think he wrote in his autobiography about it, um, all the struggles you often see with childhood actors. And Will Wheaton kind of disappears like a number of childhood actors do and they can never get past. And he's talked about actually in that same um, oral history, he talked about how he really struggled to get over that role. And by get over it, I mean everybody always saw him as Gordy.
1: He's in one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies called toy soldiers.
2: They were afraid to remember uh, toy soldiers where they're
1: they're like the the kids at the school and it gets overtaken by the terrorists.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, he has that. He said he would struggled. Uh, directors always saw him as Gordy, and they were afraid audiences wouldn't see him as anything else. And it's just funny that I mean, you see that that happened to a, that happens to a lot of childhood actors too, and they, they all kind of went the four different ways a childhood actor could go.
1: For sure. Ah. For sure. What are uh, we, where are we at right now? No, we're in the middle corner. I just want to, I guess, make mention of Rob Reiner, right? You know, yes, let's uh, do it. So. Rob Runner was just a great director that comes out and with, he really hits it big with Spinal Tap. And, and, and then he just rolls into just home run after home run. Like, potentially one of the best directors for like a 10-year span. One. So after Spinal Tap, he does the sure thing, which is fine, but hold on. After so this... Oh, yeah, keep going. But sorry. then we get Stand By Me... Princess Bride, when Harry met Sally, Misery, and a few after good Stand men.
0: by Me, he starts his production company, Castle, Castle
1: Ca- yeah, Rock, yeah, Castle Rock, which he names after which... this, obviously, yeah, and and then he did that, you know, that terrible movie North, but then he did the American President, which we've potted on before, and he just had this really great run for fantastic career, uh, you know, a big eleven year run, and so he's, he gets out of movies and just gets super into politics. And basically develops his passion for politics as much as he did movies and goes all in. And you know, and um, he's finally coming back to movies because he's coming back to do and this, this is Final Tap, the sequel. That's and awesome. that was just recently announced. So Do you know I that it as I, I
0: learned this in this I learned this in preparing for this pod. I didn't know this. Did you know that it was his uh, production company, Castle Rock Entertainment, that produced Seinfeld.
1: Uh, no, I did not know that. So I
0: wonder. So I wonder how what he. I mean, he could have brought us some because of him that we could have Curb and Seinfeld and all of it. I don't know if he came up with the idea or they bought it or they were brought in, but I just I didn't know that they did Seinfeld. I thought yeah. that was cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's worth two hundred million dollars, so he might have got a nice little residual check from Seinfeld. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, a few good men. American I mean, it's an incredible goes run. Goes right Mississippi. There. Yeah, I, I, it's I, I,
1: awesome. Stand by me, Princess Bride. When Harry met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men. That's a five. That is run? that it's, is a fine fill run. Like that's yeah. a walk off.
0: It really is. It's a hundred percent.
1: Um, where we have Medals, right? Let's give some medals out. Let's do it. Jesse, you got medals. Should I go? Yeah, well, oh, of course I got medals. Them. You can give them medals out first.
2: All right, honorable mention. Keefers I've got three. I've got three. You have three honorable mentions. Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Rob Rob Reiner. Okay. And Stephen King. Okay. But this movie's about the boys. I mean, it really is. It really is. I it, it is. So, much. so the bronze goes to. I'm gonna have two because there's four boys and there's only three more medals. <laughs> Goes to Jerry O'Connell uh. and, and Corey Feldman. Okay, and your silver goes to Will Wheaton. Silver, but da 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 River Phoenix. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Shocker,
1: right? Shock. I am a little shocked, actually. So you gave your gold to Gordy. Gordy I the chance my, got your gold. I to Will Wheaton. Okay,
2: my. This is his movie. This is his story. Yeah. And. He was great in it. Like it, he, he is good in He, it. he, he hasn't he's done much, he hasn't done like anything no. since. I know him from this and but the
1: movie Toy Soldiers, that's it.
2: This is his movie. And he's great in it and I loved his connection to to Chris Chambers. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: The so, um He had to have the goal. So Gordy the leeches scene, by the way, that really happened in Stephen King's... That's a, that's a real thing that happened in Stephen King's realm. That scene always gave me the creeps, by the way, as a kid. We forgot to make mention of the leeches scene. And yeah. I don't know if you guys heard the story about the leeches, but the they built a pond in the middle of the woods so they could control the elements for the kids, right? So it'd be safe. Right, sure. sure. Yeah, well, they did it at the beginning of production. Oh, no. So by the time they got around to shooting it was like 3 4 months later. Oh, so they had really no clue what the hell was in that water at that point anyways. <laughs> there weren't any leeches or anything but they really legit were like yeah, we don't know what's in there at this point.
0: Sitting water. Yeah,
1: sitting sitting water is never a great situation. Right? Not for three months. No, exactly. I know. Kids probably got some major Montezuma's revenge in their trailers from that. What do you got, Metal? What do you got, Metal? Oh, to the point... Oh, speaking of the leeches scene, by the way. The boys, uh, the makeup for the the leeches, uh, getting those peeled off and all that, the stuff that they had on their bodies, they went to go to a water park and they were refused entry because the theme, like, the the park thought that they had, like, some sort of, like, flesh-eating disease. That's
0: funny.
1: But, uh, Metal's... Honorable mention goes to Kiefer Sutherland. For sure. Uh, Good old Ace. My bronze medal went to Stephen King. Uh, This is his story. He wrote it. He came up with the idea. I love it. I love his... It's one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations, obviously. This and Shawshank are probably my favorite, too. And um, my silver medal goes to Rob Reiner. He's responsible for getting getting these kids right he he he's responsible for getting these kids and making this magic happen with these four kids and these four kids were all equally special and i went unprecedented waters and it might be a cop out i don't really care but i gave all four of those kids a gold medal because it's their movie like jesse said so that's why i was kind of laughing that jesse just spread his medals out amongst the four of them because (laughs) i was like I might get some heat on this, but I don't care. Whatever. All four of them are getting the gold because I really just—I I really do believe that that they just played their part so perfect, and they're just—they're perfect. They played everything perfect within their part, and that's why I felt like giving them the gold. So that's what I did. And for any of our listeners that feel like that's a cop out, oh well, you can come on our show and give
2: your medals out sometime. And... <laughs> You're not wrong, <laughs> Drummond. Jeffrey, what'd
1: you do? Are you frantically changing medals now because Jesse and I just did crazy shit, or are you? Oh, because I didn't you, know that I was allowed. Or did you? Think, I didn't know that
0: I was allowed to put the whole cast it, yeah, I, on exactly. The mat stand. See, or did you?
1: <laughs> see, I knew, I knew we might get some heat at some point along this journey. <laughs> yeah, so I, well,
0: that I, yeah, no, yeah. Um, I, I can, I should just give the bronze to all of the Cobra
1: gang.
2: <laughs>
0: um, I'll. Um, I will, I'll also, I, I'll throw honorable mention to, uh, um, Keith, Keith or Sutherland. Um, He's great. I'll do Put my other honorable is. mentions after I do the countdown. Cause I want to leave some suspense as to who made my medal stand. Um, Stephen King's my bronze. Uh, you said it perfect, Mark. It's his story. Um, really his childhood. I yeah. like, I think that inspired all of this and it's fantastic. Whenever I whenever I watch this and I watch Shawshank Redemption it actually makes me wish that he went you know I this is the you're talking this is the guy that loves horror films and horror and mm-hmm. loves Stephen King so uh odd to say but it makes me wish he like uh went away from horror a little more often yeah because he those are two fantastic Fantastic movies and stories. So the story uh, with
1: the body the way it goes is it was just very simple for him He just basically wanted to do a story about growing up as as a kid And yeah. he's he he said well, how do I put that into a movie or not a movie? How do I put that into a story and, and he's like well, they need to they need to go on some sort of journey That's all it that needs to happen for these boys. So, okay. What's the journey gonna be? Oh, let's have them search for a body and it just came so easy to them. And then I just love that Gordy kind of mirrored Stephen King with the whole of him being a writer and being a storyteller.
0: When he came up with that idea to make it a body, too, because he his mom had often told him about him, I guess, at a very young age. He saw a dead body for and like, but he he doesn't remember it. He somehow like blocked it out of his memory. But his mom always talks about how, like, freaked out he was by seeing a dead body. Speaking maybe of freaked that, out... By maybe seeing, that gave him a lifetime of horror, of, of horror tales, speaking too.
1: Speaking of freaked out or by seeing back. a dead body. You, I think they've... I think... I was reminded they did a good job of creeping me out by seeing Ray Brower.
0: Yeah. That's, like, really, that's pretty well done,
1: actually. Right? It always creeped me out as a kid. And they keep... Robert, and this movie's rated R, and it was rated R for a reason. Obviously, the language. But if you think about it, there's these kids are dealing with some real serious elements throughout this movie, <laughs> whether it's being thrown down and having a cigarette almost burning your eyeball out, or bullying. <laughs> <Well, laughs> I, yeah. I, I think there
0: is an MPAA rule that if you're kid, that if a uh, uh, character of a certain age smokes a cigarette, that it has to be rated R. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, that there was not even worth fighting for them because yeah. they wanted because that's kind of important to the story.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: arguably. Um Silver Medal. Um, giving it to River Phoenix. Uh I already sung his praises a lot. He's just it's just a fantastic performance. And it just it it's one of the best um to like twelve to fifteen year old performances I've seen on film.
2: Yep,
1: um, I agree. It's, it's one of the best child performances that you'll see yeah and i'm giving
0: my meat. i'm i'm giving my gold to rob reiner uh he did the cat he did the casting for this film and he took a short stephen king novella and turned it into one of the best stephen king movies out there and so and I mean, I don't have to sing the praise. Stephen King sang the praise himself and it being one of his favorite adaption. And although it's actually it might still be his favorite adaptation. I'm not sure of that. Um, but he this is a fantastically put together film. And I think Rob Reiner has to get the credit for that.
1: I agree that's why uh I, yeah he made my medal stand too i gave too many medals out and the, i mean the olympic committee is definitely gonna be <laughs> submitting an investigation into me <laughs> but i don't care it was worth the risk this week because standby means that special but uh you make a great
0: point about each of the like boys being just perfect for their for their particular role i actually think you make a great point with that
1: so you know and that's why i just was like you know what i'm not gonna wrestle with the medals i'm just gonna do it and and people are gonna be like, I don't. They're gonna be. Some people are gonna be really mad at me for that, but I don't care. Be mad at me, audience. I'll take it on the chin. That's fine. Um, where are we at? It's late. It's it is late. You got any ponderings, Jeff?
0: Yeah. I want to know if you guys know the rules to mailbox
1: baseball. Uh, I well, I you kept like, one rule at the you... end. If the mailbox doesn't come clean off, it's it's definitely. This is a foul a single ball and no that's okay. a foul ball and that's oh, a strike right. so you gotta get it okay so three strikes you're out so I know that
0: I, I didn't know if there was bases involved and how far it went uh, I home run was I and, think
1: everything's a single and you just advance runners based one one base at a time personally that's my take on it
0: Either of you ever play any uh, mailbox baseball in your in your youth?
1: Never in a million years. That I, adds I to not, why, though.
0: I did not play mailbox that, baseball, that, either.
2: It's a federal offense. <laughs> and
1: that, I mean, it, and not only that, it adds to why the Cobras were so scary. Like, look at these guys. I mean, and we get the car scene, Without too, where the car, where the car runs off the road and all those logs fall off. They just do a really good job of, if you're a kid watching this off. movie, being super scared of Ace. <laughs> yeah.
0: Speaking of Ace... Did Gordy do Ace a favor not letting him take that body? Let's play this out. Okay. Ace I'm guessing has a reputation in this town. So, he's just going to show up at the police station with a dead body that he just happened to find? Um Wouldn't look good for him. Well, I don't know um, if they're police... going
1: to take it, maybe, right?
0: I No, that they were absolutely going to take. He had to they, there was a big fight involving a gun and a knife and um, no, they were gonna murder take threatened both for it. ways. But were they
1: just gonna take the body out of the woods? I mean, at this point, they can do whatever they want. I think they were just gonna beat the crap out of the kids and then do it. But I mean, I mean that's why
0: the kid. Were I they mean, they I, gonna
1: throw. I, were they gonna tamper with evidence and throw the body in the car? I mean, they have. Well, the, and
0: also, there's no room in that damn car. He made all the rest of the gang members get in. I don't well even know got, where it would fucking well, they go. They got
1: two cars, but I, <laughs> I. I get what you're I mean, saying, but I feel like because they away, have the so cars, not... they get to go drive somewhere and be like, hey, make a phone call. We know where the body is. We just stumbled upon it while we were driving. We'll meet well, they you already there.
0: Well, they already knew
1: where it was. Why did they just do that in the first place? Well, they hadn't. Ha- they didn't have confirmation. So,
0: I think they were going to take the body. Because I think that leads me to my other pondering was, what was the plan for the boys to kick? Because remember they said they're going to make a stretcher. And I was like, wait, that entire hike and trek that they barely survived... For three days, they were gonna carry the damn dead body in the back that way.
1: Yeah, the um... like,
0: I, there was not a lot of logistics planned out. But if they were twelve. I give them. I'm gonna give them a break. Ace in them, I don't think they were thinking um, with their future. There's been a, uh, they haven't seen. I guess it is the year 1952, not the year 2022, where I've seen too many documentaries about the uh, bad kids getting falsely accused of a crime. I wouldn't want to show up at the police with a body that I found and said, where's my reward? <laughs> Just saying.
1: Does Vern find his pennies ever?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, I, I had my own would theory. hope so. I have my own. Oh,
1: okay, oh, let's hear it. My theory is that Teddy's pretty resourceful, right? It seems like. Yep. I think there's a possibility that Teddy's already snuck over there at some point and found the pennies, and long spent them a while ago. I just feel like Teddy seems like that kind of guy that he might have found Vern's pennies and uh, used them already. But
0: and speaking of that, in inflation riddled 2022. Would two two dollars and seventy two cents even buy Vern's Pez? Uh,
1: yeah, it would get Pez. I don't know if it'd get a Pez dispenser. That might be
0: about all or the comb. I'm not sure. we uh, <laughs> would get, get the
1: comb too, actually. <laughs> hey, Vern, we might be able to meet Vern's needs in 2022 with, with, with the with the, the two dollars and seventy two cents. Yeah, cent. yeah we
0: would not. We would not meet him with his seven cents. No, though. his seven I cents. Don't even think that I would love him. It. I love Vern. I Pez.
1: still can't find his pennies. Right. So, Jesse, you had a big midnight pondering.
0: Yes, I want to hear it.
1: Your midnight pondering was you wanted to know who we all identify ourselves with, correct?
2: Yeah. So, if you were one of the boys in Stand By Me, which boy would you be and why? Okay. I'm, I'm going to post this to, uh, to Mark first.
1: Okay, so you want to hear my answer first. Okay, cool. So... Here's This is really funny. Was, uh, let me start this out with... Jen asked me this question while we were doing the rewatch. And I hysterically... We're just cried. randomly? Oh yeah, just randomly. That's
2: awesome. Just
1: randomly. So I hysterically started laughing. Um, and I struggled with this. I struggled with this all week. And I was like, Jesse's a bastard for asking me this question. <laughs> and the reason I struggled with it is because... These characters are kind of somewhat stereotypes of certain types of friends, right? And they play very true to that specific stereotype. So when I was thinking about your question, I was getting frustrated to some degree because I feel like there's part of a lot of these characters in me and or part of me in all of these characters right no absolutely and and so but i was like you know what i've already copped out with the medals so i gotta pull the trigger on somebody right (laughs) i gave gold medals to all the kids i can't just be like you know what it's a little bit of all of them so It's got to be Vern, right? Because Vern's the nice guy, and I'm the nice guy. And I, I, at the end of the day, that was that was. Uh, there's a lot of things that Vern does that I definitely wouldn't do, but there's just so right. much of Vern that I totally see in myself. And Jerry's just so great at playing him that I, I don't. It's part of the reason why I love Vern so much. Probably is because I see so much of myself in his character. I am the the idiot that would have brought a comb. Like because I would have been like, yeah, we're going to look good when we see when the news comes. Like I'm going to remember the comb for us. But at the same time, I don't think I'm crawling on like the railroad tracks necessarily. No. Like I can yeah. suck it up, you know, I'm not that bad. Um, I don't think I forget the secret knock on the badass treehouse. By the way, production team built that treehouse for them. Uh, and Stephen King totally had a treehouse like that, and so all cool stuff right there. But <laughs> the treehouse stuff is awesome, by the way. And they're playing the game. What's the? We were playing that game during March Madness,
2: Jesse. What's the name of the game?
0: I was going to ask. Thirty-one.
2: That, is that was Jesse, part of my is that midnight wanderings.
0: Is that where you came up with that game, Jesse? I,
2: I did not come up with. Yeah, I, I I can't take credit on making making that game, obviously. Yeah. So yeah,
1: and then but, I guess I'll just end my, my then comment about Vern with... I guess what sealed the deal is, picking Vern, is that when he's on gun detail, that, that'd, that'd probably be me <laughs> in the middle of the night hearing sounds. I'd probably be pretty spooked and be like, if I was 12, if it was me right now, obviously no. But if I was 12, I think that would totally have been me. So uh,
2: The, it, only, but the we, only thing hearing that, Drummond, is... Like you're so good at planning things, and Vern, he. I know. That's why sense. I said it's
1: so you have to just you have like. You but yeah, no, know. I I understand. Yeah, I exactly. That. That's what I meant. Like, I'm in no way am I totally committed to Vern, but there's right. just Vern has an, enough elements to where I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna be Vern. It's, it, I mean, it's probably a good mixture of Gordy and Vern. And Gordie, I was thinking Gordy too. Gordy yeah. would be a much better planner, and um, Gordy would have planned for that. I, I would have had food for our journey. That's for sure.
2: For sure. But,
1: <laughs> but uh, we'll let you go last. So Jeff, who'd you go? What do you got with this, Jeff? Hopefully. You... Yeah, I'm also.
0: I'm going to take my cop out on this one because I, I mostly, <laughs> I, I struggled. Uh, it's a hard. I struggled one, right? like I struggled one. like you did, Mark, um, and I really I'm a combination of. A couple of them. I I don't have hardly anything in common with Teddy, but I would say I'm a combination of Gordy, Chris, and Vern. There's things in all three of them that I that I see definitely see in myself. Gun to my head, if I had to uh, had to choose one, I guess I'm Gordy with good parents and no dead siblings. Um, but. Um, it was, cause there's a lot of Gordy in me, but I, I mean, I definitely don't, I have amazing parents that believed in me.
1: Yeah, and, exactly. Like, yeah, my parents like, were totally on board. <laughs> exactly.
0: And I didn't have, was, I did not deal with tragedy at that young of age either. So it's hard to say I'm Pim, but I don't, um, there's, I'm sure there's a little of Vern in all of us on so just like the silliness of the different things. And I'm probably... Probably not a ton of Chris, although as an adult, I feel like I'm actually much – it's interesting. I think I've kind of gone more from a – I'm probably much more Chris as an adult than I was as a kid. Um, But I don't know. I guess that's that's my long-winded cop-out answer. I
1: get it. What do you got, Jesse? It's a tough one. Jesse, (laughs) what do you got, Jesse?
2: So – the reason I pose this question is because it's such a difficult question to answer. So at least and, you're
1: happy that we put so much work into our, our
2: <laughs> I I appreciate your guys' hard work on this answer. Uh, no, j- just watching it, I, I this, this question just popped in my head. And I'm like, everyone watching this movie can relate to one of these characters, if not all of them. And they can see themselves in, if not just one, then all of them. And so that's what I thought about when watching this movie I'm like I just feel like it's really important to to ask this question because everyone has an answer and it's probably not the same answer and in this case it's not the same answer because I went back and forth on this originally I thought I was Gordy I have a lot of Gordy in me I you know the the history of Gordy Um, I'm quieter like Gordy and if I was in this situation, I think I would react a lot more like Gordy. I'd be like, come on, guys. we just got to move on. We've just got to like, get to where we want to be, which is seeing this dead body. And we need to stop messing around. <clears throat> but the more I thought about it, I think I'm probably more Chris Chambers. I agree with that. <laughs> and I knew Han would for sure. He's kind of a jerk. But he's, matter of fact, he, oh, I don't he think, tells I don't it think like it a, is.
0: I actually don't think he's a jerk at all. I think he's, he, he, I, you're the first one to almost ever stick up for like any friends or whatever. At, no, yeah. Chris he, is he, the first one to stick up for like any of the friends.
2: Well, he, he's not necessarily like a jerk to, to his friends, but he's just, saying, but yeah. he, he's kind of hardened, right? He's kind of right. salty, kind of hardened, right? Right. But he's got a, he's got a soft spot and he sticks up for anyone getting bullied and at the end like he does the right thing and he gets he dies he gets killed for sticking up and and making sure that you know he does the right thing and so ultimately that's probably who i see myself most as i don't know if if you guys would agree with that but that's you know, initially I thought it was Gordy, but then as as the journey of the movie and watching it, I think I probably resonate more with Chris Chambers.
1: No, I would agree with that. I, I, w- I would. And, and just, I want to note that in the book, the other two kids, they also die too. Um, they changed that for the movie, so... We just so we just kind of hear about Chris dying,
0: and in the book, I think it's like he reads about the last of the four of them dying. Yeah, exactly. He's the last one. He's the last one alive. So it yeah. kind of hits him. He's like, "Oh my god, these four childhood friends." Yeah, and that's what becomes the, the
1: story. Now. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's better. It. it I mean, it I is. That might actually be
0: better. <laughs>
1: it, it is, and it isn't because I think this movie, like, like you said, they must have known they had something special with River Phoenix. Yep. Or, and I don't know, because I don't I don't know how much they they changed the script, and I don't know if it was like that in the book or not, but, I mean, it's clear that this is Gordy's story, and it's clear that Chris Chambers is a, a, a closer friend to Gordy than Teddy yep. and Vern, so uh, they don't... Uh... Well, and they
0: go on together and take the college classes together, and so, like and literally they say born like Vern was just kind of a guy in the hallway so they lost touch even before like high school was out and it sounds like with teddy as well
1: things we missed anything we missed we've talked about a lot jeff anything else that you want to touch on that we missed
0: there is a stand by me day it is July 23rd every year in Brownsville, Oregon. Brownsville, uh, where Oregon. This, I hope you where guys will shot.
1: to this once we uh, get it up on our uh, platform for you.
0: And I, I wanted to, I thought it was worth giving a shout out because one thing that I wished I would have mentioned earlier and what worked was um, I spent the last six years in the Pacific Northwest and I was realizing there's not a lot of Pacific Northwest films. And the environment in the Pacific Northwest is very distinct. And I was uh, watching it; I was instantly, and I wouldn't have known this other times I've watched this movie in my life. But I was instantly like, "Oh, they definitely did shoot this in the Pacific Northwest because it just has a distinct look, the way
2: the trees are and everything."
0: So yeah. Do 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 you know why this?
2: Why was this movie set in Oregon and not in Maine? Where was set? It was set in Maine in the book. No right. they but why was it... it... Because they were because they were
1: able
0: to film it in Oregon. <laughs> that's literally the only reason. I think like my ch- only guess... Cheaper? Was, or... it's
1: got, it has had to have been cheaper.
0: Yeah. Like, I, that's my guess. I mean, I just think just know of,
1: they, I mean, even... I mean, did you see
0: this movie? I mean, it's things we didn't miss, so I might as well bring it up. Or may have missed, might as well bring it up. Did you see that this movie got damn close to never being made?
1: Yeah, this is an independent because, movie.
0: Well, they had the rights to it. Yeah. And the studio that had it actually got bought by Columbia and Columbia came out and said, yeah, we're not doing this movie. This is dumb. And one of the producers, and I forget his name, actually came up with $7 million to finish the funding um, because Columbia refused to fund the rest of it. And he's like, no, this movie's going to be too good and came up with the money and they did it. But the shoots were until they until that producer stood up and added seven million of his own money. Um, the shoot was going to be canceled once they once Columbia uh, purchased the rights. Ah, uh, thought that was interesting. But yeah, every in Brownsville, Oregon, they they actually have a Stand by Me festival every year where they have a pie eating contest. They show the film in an out outdoor setting and. Lots of other Stand by Me ish activities, um, so I think that's
1: cool. The only other thing I mentioned, I don't think we mentioned it that we might have missed was the train sequence. Rob Reiner couldn't get what he needed out of uh, Jerry O'Connell and Will Wheaton's characters because the train was so far away that he just they weren't scared enough, and. You guys know, no, you, you know the story, Jesse? No, no I don't. <laughs> so it's a good one. He starts yelling at him in between takes, and and, and we're, I mean, he's yelling at him. He's in their face, and he's he's saying, "You see the crew? They got to do this all over again because you, because you two can't do what you're supposed to do. Basically, just ripping them a new one, essentially." And to the point where he knew what he was doing, and then you know apologized after the fact, and and Will Wheaton's like on record years later saying, you know it was such a it was such a treat working with him because we had this scene where he made us cry our eyes out because by yelling at us, and that's the scene that we we see Jerry O'Connell literally crying. It's because. <laughs> You know, it's like when a kid gets yelled at and they don't, you know, they start, you know, they, they don't know what to do, so they just start crying. <laughs> so Rob Reiner was like, go, action, go. <laughs> it's like, literally tells him, start running, go. <laughs> and That's so funny. I, they're, they're both quoted as just saying, you know, he, he was so, basically, after the fact, boys, I hope you understand, this is what I needed to do, you weren't doing what we needed, and I had to get it out of you, so I hope you know that I'm not actually upset with you guys. <laughs> like, really, like, just, you know, making sure that, you know, they were, that they were totally okay with him just reaming them. But uh, I can totally picture it. I, I, mean, we've all been there. We've all been those kids getting yelled at at some point, where you're just like, "Oh my god," you know, I mean, just you, you, feel awful, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, that happened in that train it scene, was... and that's why we get that shot. But uh, anything else we a missed? Quick, oh.
0: Yeah, I just want to make a quick note about what I said earlier, um, because uh, it's actually better than I, better than I realized. It was Norman Lear, who, um, who financed the uh, actually eight million dollars. And he actually—it was actually the entire budget for the film. Um, they were Columbia was going to cancel the film, and Norman Lear, who had worked with Rob Reiner on *All in the Family*, um, was one of the co- co-founders of Embassy Pictures, the original studio. And he believed in the movie so much that he personally financed it. Mm. Um, did you see that Michael Jackson was hired to do a version of *Stand by Me* for the movie? Yeah, and, and Rob Reiner. Didn't like it. Yeah, so he it didn't like the it. original.
1: A song or? Yeah, to, to do a yeah, remake. No, he, uh, did a
0: cover, he did a cover of uh, Stand By Me. And I wanted to ask you guys, how much do you want to hear the Michael Jackson Stand, stand By Me cover?
2: I kind of do. Just, <laughs> me too. Just to, just to hear it. Interesting.
0: Uh, um, but it didn't... The re- Oh, we should note that this was called The Body, the same as the Stephen King novella, all the way through production. And... Columbia said, uh, ordered them to come up with a better title. So at the last minute, they came up with "Stand by Me," and they added the song to the end, to which they hired Michael Jackson, and then obviously didn't work out. But and use the original. The one, the two thirty seven. That's the money the boys come up with is a reference to two thirty seven, to room two thirty seven yeah. in the shining
1: yeah that's a stephen king thing he likes to use that number in a lot of his stuff he, lo- he uses the number 237 on a lot of different things yeah did you guys see the key for sutherland renaissance fair story no well they were at a renaissance fair that was being held nearby and somebody bought some cookies but they were we, pot we cookies, had cookies. And they did not know that. And about two hours later, the crew found Jerry O'Connell crying and high as a kite. Oh, I did see that. somewhere in the park, hiding.
2: (laughs) I did read that story. (laughs) You just reminded me.
1: Uh, And this, I mean, imagine, this is his first movie. His mom is probably on set somewhere. Like, I mean, (laughs) I I would love... (laughs) I would love to know more about that story. I'd love to hear mom's version of this story and how... Her reaction went down when she found out what happened.
0: You guys are gonna love this. I, I can't leave this out. The this movie actually is really big in Japan. So big, actually, that a num a very high number of Japanese tourists visit Brownsville, Oregon, every year because of their love for this movie. It is a
1: top site for Japanese tourists because this movie is big in Japan. River Phoenix lost his virginity while making this movie. And what? Um, I'm not sure how old he was when they when they made this movie, but that's not important for this fact. But this is just more like art imitating life or life imitating art, depending on which way you want to look at it. But Reiner remembered that Phoenix came into work one day with this big smile on his face after spending the night with a family friend and he wrote to brian on a piece of paper it finally happened and then cory feldman also uh, drank alcohol kissed a girl off screen and smoked pot for the first time during that fateful summer of 85 when they made this movie <laughs> so um our our kids in this movie did a little bit of growing up that summer too while this movie was making so not just their characters but uh I thought that was interesting. Final thoughts, uh, Jesse? Final thoughts,
2: This it's such a great movie, and we talked about this earlier on, it spans generations. Like, you watched it in the 80s, we watched it probably in the 90s or 2000s, and then like you said, Mark, you showed it to your kids, and they watched it recently, and I mean, it, it's, it, this is a film that holds true and is entertaining to this day, which is incredible. You can't say that a lot about other movies. So that's one of my final, final thoughts. But while I was watching this film, I immediately had flashbacks of watching The Sandlot. And sometimes when you watch films and you have flashbacks of other films, you're like, no, nah, I'm just I'm crazy. So then I of course, went on to Google. Anytime you think you're crazy, you have to go on to to Google and figure out if you're not crazy. And Googled it, and there's a whole Reddit page of parallels between this movie and and The Sandlot. And just between, obviously, the voiceover, which is, you know, there's a lot of voiceovers with movies in the 80s and 90s. The dog. The vomit scene. vomit scene in, in the... Eating the cherry pies, the vomit scene, eating um, or taking chewing tobacco for the first time in the Sandlot and just the different personalities of the boys. I I thought about the Sandlot a lot. So Sandlot came
1: out probably about 10 years after this movie. And I wonder if they made the Sandlot uh, uh, with this in mind and just made the PG version of Stand By Me. And uh, because that's, um, Stand By Me's are, obviously, and it, they're, they're very similar. And I'd never even thought of it. And you you brought this up and kind of just blew my mind. So that's just, I was just now thinking out loud and wondering that if some producer somewhere said, you know, it's a, it's a PG version of Stand By Me. And
0: Stand By Me meets Baseball. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. R. Yeah, so... But yeah, great, great call out. Sorry to interrupt your final thoughts, but uh, anything else, Jesse?
2: No, that was it. Yeah. I really enjoyed the the rewatch. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'll I'll second that. That Jesse actually, whenever I'm watching either Stand by Me or The Sandlot, I think of the other movie. I kind of pair these movies together. Those movies together. But yeah, final thought. Uh, just like you were saying, Mark, um, or no, Jesse, this movie's gonna stand the test of time. Uh, it's and. It's so timeless, and I just think it's really going to continue to hold up. And it's fun revisiting this movie, because I always feel like I revisit my own childhood, because I get lots of flashbacks to being the age of these boys in this movie uh, when watching it. It really brings that out. And it was super fun to uh, pot on it.
1: It really was. And... I'm so glad we got to do this movie. It's it's one of my, it's, I, I it's been mentioned before. I've got a list. It's got fifty movies on it, and both of these movies that we were just talking about happen to be on that list. So, uh, and, and I had never made that connection just because I, I I have a different love for The Sandlot that, just uh, it, it, just I it didn't dawn on me to think of Stand By Me, and both of you do, and that's just testament to how movies connect you in different ways but how funny that both of them are on my top 50 list for different reasons so um i'm just so glad we got to talk about this movie for well over an hour this week who knows what this uh, final version will sound like but uh i hope everybody enjoyed our trip down memory lane with our four boys as much as we did and Thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Tales, but on behalf of uh, Jeff and Jesse and myself, we'll be back uh, soon with another edition. Take care, everybody. No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand
2: Stand by me So, darling